Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I What do you call a sleeping dinosaur? A Z-Rex. I really dig earthworms, but I haven't met one yet that doesn't have a dirty mouth. Why don't squash balls drink coffee? Because they're already bouncing off the walls. If you just read the bio for Dr. Steve, host of Weird Medicine on Sirius XM 103 and made popular by two really comedy shows, Opie and Anthony and Ron and Fez, you would have thought that this guy was was a bit of a, you know, a, a clown. Why can't you give me the respect that I'm entitled to? I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart valve exacerbating my incredible woes. I want to take my brain out and blast with the wave an ultrasonic echographic and a pulsating shave. I want a magic pill for all my ailments. The health equivalent of Citizen Kane. And if I don't get it now in the tablet, I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane. I want a requiem for my disease. So I'm paging Dr. Steve. Dr. Steve. From the world-famous Cardiff Electric Network Studios, it's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio, now a podcast. I'm Dr. Steve and my little pal, Dr. Scott. Hello, Dr. Scott. Hey, Dr. Steve. He's a traditional Chinese medical provider who gives me street cred with the wacko alternative medicine assholes. By the way, this is a show for people who would never listen to a medical show on the radio or the internet. If you've got a question you're embarrassed to take to your regular medical provider, you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call at 347-766-4323. That's 347. Follow us on Twitter at Weird Medicine or at DRScottWM. Visit our website at drsteve.com for podcasts, medical news, and stuff you can buy. Most importantly, we are not your medical providers. Take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on this show without talking it over with your doctor, nurse practitioner, practical nurse, uh, acupuncturist, uh, traditional Chinese medical specialist, whatever. See, now Tacey's already wearing off on me. She takes all the fun out of these lists. With that stern look on her face, she's not even here. Anyway, check yep. out stuff.drsteve.com, stuff.drsteve.com for all your Amazon and online shopping needs. And uh, go to tweakedaudio.com, offer code FLUID for 33% off, the best earbuds for the price, and uh, the best customer service anywhere. It's tweakedaudio.com, offer code FLUID. 
Go to simplyherbals.net to check out Dr. Scott's website and patreon.com slash weirdmedicine. Uh, that's uh, the show that Tacey and I do. And we just recently had Anthony Cumia on that show. It was a fun one. And it is uh, will never be anywhere but on Patreon. And so we've had the Troika. We've had Jim Norton. We've had uh, Greg Hughes. And now uh, Anthony Cumia. And uh, one of these days, perhaps we shall have E-Rock and Travis and other folk on there. Sam Roberts was the one that uh, held the camera when I did the first uh, prostate exam on Pat Duffy, so we probably should have him on at some point. Yeah. Anyway, that cool. was fun. That's cool. All right. And uh, if you want me to say fluid to your mama or secretions to your daddy, just uh, go on uh, cameo.com slash weirdmedicine, and it's cheap. And uh, it's really cheap. And if it's too expensive, tell me, and I'll even drop the price for it. I don't care. I just like doing it. As a matter of fact, i got to do one tonight for somebody who's uh, their 40th birthday coming up. And it's ridiculous, and I just say stupid things. And uh, you are <laughs> – I'll mostly say what you want me to say within certain – I mean, don't be – you know, it's 2022. Come on. But anyway, uh, yeah, cameo.com slash weirdmedicine. All right, Dr. Scott. Check out Dr. Scott's website at simplyherbals.net, simplyherbals.net. We want to say uh, happy birthday to our network founder, uh, Cardiff Electric. So have a very happy birthday to you, sir. All right, very good. So what you got, Dr. Scott? We're going to do a lot of phone calls today. We've got a million of them. Cool. But I know you have some stories that you want to do. Yeah, I've got two quick stories. Okay. Um, I, I saw this. It's kind of cool. It carries, it goes back to- Is it kind of cool? A shower. Uh, you'll, you'll be the judge of okay. this. Okay. Very good. The, um, it takes us back a couple, a couple shows. Research in pigs shakes up what we know about dying. So What? Yeah, some, some new, some brand new research out of Yale. Um, they've actually been able to restore blood circulation- and other cellular functions to pigs um, that have been dead, completely clinically dead for over an hour. Uh-huh. And what it does, it suggests that um, there there may be some ways to prolong. And I'm, I'm sitting here looking at James Bird's picture up there. You know, um, um, tra- <laughs> organ transplants. Oh, I see. Yeah. So, so they're not talking about taking a dead pig and bringing it back to life. No, no, no. Just, just so what are they talking about? Well, they're talking about the See, organs some more clickbait, clickbait yeah. bullshit. They're talking about the, the organs specifically. Okay. Um, kidneys, or kidneys and hearts and yeah. lungs. And what they found was Oh, the, oh, know, oh, oh, oh. So let me, let me just throw this out there. Yeah. And then when you do organ transplantation, if the patient's been dead... And their heart has stopped, and there has not been perfusion to those organs. The only thing that you can do is basically harvest some corneas and some skin and stuff like that. Which, by the way, sounds horrible, but it's when they harvest your skin the, the, for the burn unit, they're not skinning you no. like you would you see it like if you watch Alone, where they skin <laughs> like these rabbits and stuff. They just take the very top layer of uh, skin, a uh, very thin layer of from your back, yep. you know, the widest expanse, and maybe some stuff from the from the uh, abdomen and chest. But it's not something anybody would see. But anyway, go. So this, what I'm before you go any further, what I'm hoping that they're talking about doing is being able to take someone that's had a cardiac death Mm -hmm. that normally they couldn't harvest kidneys and stuff from and bringing them into the hospital, somehow doing some magic and reperfusing those organs and making them usable without having to keep the person alive on the ventilator. Because right now, the way we do it is when someone is brain dead, that means that they have died. There's no blood flow going to their brain, mm-hmm. and they've been declared dead, but they're still on the ventilator, so there's their heart's still beating, and you're still able to get oxygen from the outside to the inside using mechanical ventilation. Then you could take that person back into an operating suite, and their organs are still perfusing. They've mm-hmm. still got, when I say perfusing, they still have blood flow to them, so they're still viable. Mm-hmm. That's how we do it now. Yep. So tell me the rest of the story. So give yourself a bill. Okay, I yep. will do so. Yep. Yourself a bill. That's exactly what they're talking about. What they're what they're saying is is once you you can hook them up to the perfusion mm-hmm. and maintain that perfusion for a long time. And what they're hoping is that all these uh, a lot of the times, as you said, 
um, once someone's died, then they they don't have any real hope. Right, for they it. come in dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're already they're already deceased. There may be a chance now where they can actually reperfuse those organs because they don't think those the, those organ cells die as quickly as we thought they did. Well, so what are they doing? Are perfusion, they doing, perfusion. Hook, that's hook, it. Perfusion, hooking up to perfusion machines, and they were talking about. Um, so wait a minute. Are they taking the the animal and uh, perfusing them, or are they taking the organs the out? The organ alone. The organ alone. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, they can organ out alone and perfusing it. So you, I'm sure there's some. There's are they using some sort of stuff. special um, solution? Blood they or say? solution. That's what I was looking for right now. Some special blood or <laughs> some special juice. Um, but um, yeah, what they're what they're what they're saying is that there's a, uh, what the problem is is you know, and two, as soon as someone dies, there's a whole cascade of yeah, chemicals yeah. That, that, yeah. that start breaking things down, and so what they're doing is by perfusing it and then giving some medications, stopping that 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 that, that deterioration process. Okay. Yeah. So you're right on. Huh. Way to go, man. But so, it doesn't say how they're doing it. No, it, it's just strictly said with um, with um. Oh, this is the worst part. What? It's it's uh, they they it's the, the pigs were given um, anesthesia and then, and then a heart attack was induced. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it's, all they do. Uh, well, I know, well, I know, but it just sounds awful. I mean, you don't have and then you get you bacon. don't have a, 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 a you know an ICU for pigs <laughs> where they are um, you know they get so sick that they become brain dead and then their family comes in and says yes we want to do you know scientific research Please on them no they have to induce brain death make sure they're pigs. bacon and not pork chops oh, God. <laughs> coming from the pescatarian exactly so uh okay if you see anything else on this well so basically what dr scott's alluding to is that there may be some hope to increase the supply of usable organs uh, out there from where they are now because people uh, some of these uh, donor ser- services are so strict that it's hard well, you can get on the list you can die before you get certain organs sure. and I've had several patients have that happen particularly people who are trying to get a liver transplant right. often they're alcoholics yeah, I think liver is the toughest isn't it yeah it's to a get, tough one yeah. because you know a lot of the folks that I have um, had are were alcoholics, so they had cirrhosis. Okay, and the place says you got to be off everything. Mm-hmm. That's no opioids for pain and no alcohol for six months before we'll even put you on the list. And a lot of those patients don't make it to right. the point where they can get the transplant. So mm-hmm. this may allow them to liberalize if they can get all the livers that they want. Um, they might be able to liberalize that and make it two months or three months, you know, just enough to make sure that the patient is going to, um, you know, comply. Because you don't want to give somebody a new liver and then just have them, you know, drink that one down, too. No, no, now, ultimately, we've got to come up with a way where we can brew these things in vats, mm-hmm. where you take stem cells and you say, okay, I need a thousand livers. Mm-hmm you know 250 hearts and a shitload of kidneys and you just have these vats and they just start growing these organs and when you do it you can genetically engineer them so that they don't have proteins on them that would cause rejection there's all kinds of cool crap you can do right we have to get that and then down the road could we have um you know artificial kidneys and artificial livers and things and just become cyborgs and then what the fuck go the extra mile <laughs> and just upload your brain into a computer i can, you all i can see right now is um you know you, you see the fish hatcheries where um they have you know thousands of tanks yes. there with all this, you know individual fish swimming around and reproducing and i can just see that same thing with you know kidneys here Livers here. Yeah, you can have some weird organism oh, that yeah. um, you know swims <laughs> around and then somehow reproduces and makes a human kidney. <laughs> you know why not? Oh my God, that's crazy. Yeah, but, so that's the but yeah. Thing. Ultimately, we need immortal bodies. The only way to do that is for us to do what happened. By the way, and most people are not aware of this. In two thousand one, what happened was spoiler came out fifty years ago. Uh, <laughs> The aliens uh, who were just running around the universe helping species out found these ape-like ancestors of ours, put that monolith down, and it taught them just enough to get them to succeed as a species. But by the time we uh, found the second monolith on the moon and exposed it to the sunlight, that's what what the signal was. Mm -hmm. When these things get 
advanced enough to find the magnetic anomaly. I'm glad Tacey isn't here because she'd already be rolling her eyes. <laughs> find the magnetic anomaly, uh, unearth it so that that thing became exposed to sunlight for the first time in six million years. Mm -hmm. It sent a signal to the Stargate that was in orbit in the book around Saturn, but in the movie around Jupiter, um, <clears throat> alerting them that humans had made that transition. Mm -hmm. They were now fledgling spacefarers. And, uh, but by the time, but in six million years, they had become perfect beings of energy. They didn't even have bodies anymore. Hmm. So that's what they did to Bowman at the end when he turned into that embryo. Mm -hmm. They had converted him to a being of pure energy and sent him back to Earth to further Earth's evolution. But you know that's the way he saw himself is that he was he saw himself as an embryo. Mm -hmm. So that was the sort of quote-unquote body that he created for himself so there you, go. there you go so we have to um it's a logical progression we figure out how to grow organs in a vat mm -hmm. then we have fake organs that we don't even that aren't even organic that work just as good if not better mm -hmm. then we have inorganic bodies and then eventually we have bodies of pure information mm. There you Can't go. wait. And there's, what, what do you think they'll be shaped like? Pot, <laughs> pot talk for the day, man. Well, if we're pure energy, if we're pure information, we can take on any shape we want. There you go. Now that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. So I might have muscles eventually again. Yeah. <laughs> I've been thinking about that. I've got to start working out again. All right. I need somebody to go with me to challenge me the way that my buddy in Chapel Hill did. That He and I, he was a ham radio friend of mine, but we would go work out together, you know, three times a week, and we would challenge each other. And uh, it was really uh, effective way to do it. And uh, now I just suck. I just don't have... But if I had somebody that would commit to going with me mm -hmm. two, at least two times a week, pro preferably three, I think I could get back into it again. Mm -hmm. If you would ever retire... No, I could find the time. I would just go, and it would. I would take it away from Tacy time. Yeah, yeah, that's you know, not going to go over so well. It's, it, it would be fine. I'm going to take a lot of other shit away from Tacy time too. Like she's retired. You, you can't take too much away. I, I, <laughs> All right, don't number start. Hey, number two <laughs> from our old buddy. I'm just kidding, Tacy. She, she doesn't, doesn't listen. No, she doesn't listen. She could care less. No. From our old buddy Stacy, he sent us a great um, article from the University of Cincinnati, using light to restore cell function. Okay. So, uh, <clears throat> University of Cincinnati researchers. Wait a minute. Yeah. Like putting uh, ultraviolet light in your body. Hmm. Who mm. said that uh, yes. a couple of years ago? And who, who was apparently have, told that he was an idiot. Whoever would have thought of something <laughs> like that? That's right. I mean, I'm not saying it was genius but you know <laughs> mm -hmm. throwing out ideas mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> your old buddy but anyway what tell me about this no it's it looks pretty interesting so what what they've done at the university of cincinnati and going back to exactly what and you kind of hit on this i don't know if you meant to or not but <clears throat> discussing how light activity can stimulate proteins okay inside the body and what they were <clears throat> what they found is that um, in cancer cells specifically, the mitochondria, which are the uh, power plants of the, yep. of the cells, right. right? So they they look like little bacteria. Yep. They probably it, were at one point. Yeah, and w w they come together. It's a process called fusion. They create energy. Mm. <clears throat> Excuse me. And when they separate, it's called fission. And, okay. And what they're what they're doing is using light, and they're using proteins um, that are light sensitive. Yeah. To send in and and when they identify this, they're stimulating these. Um, they, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm God. sorry. No, no, my, I'm sorry, my, my stupid um, allergies. But they're stimulating li lysosomes to help these cells split more normally. Okay. Or the, or the, or the mito mitochondria to split more oh, normally. Oh, and the more mitochondria you have, the more mitochondrial function. Right. Therefore, the more energy you have. Right. So what they're doing is it, is using the body's natural system to, um, to, to stop the process of cancer. Um, and it, what what he says is we're at, what, how will it do that? Well, what he says what we have actually is is the natural process we're just making faster. There's no it's not not a chemotherapy, it's not a uh, radiotherapy, um, and it's called um, let's photo see. some kind of fucking um, opto optogenic, okay. optogenic treatments. Yeah. So, so 
I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So what? How? How do they do this? What are they actually doing? So what are, are they? Doing? Are they taking your blood out and putting it through a clear tube and exposing that to light, or are they just exposing you to light and going good luck? No. What they're what they're actually doing now. This of course they're just now starting a process. But yeah. what they're doing now is is using different um, types of light that'll penetrate into the to the um, skin further. So they're, 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 that's why they call the optogenics and multiple um, different colors to uh, affect the, um, the um, mitochondrial function to help with cancer. So you just, all you do is just... You just, no. <laughs> I don't understand. No, well, what they're, what they're doing is they're actually taking these proteins okay. um, that are specifically engineered to accept this light or to, or to, sh- to emit light. Okay. And they're hitting it with the light, and that's what's, that's what's stopping the uh, mitochondrial process. Okay, so I'm looking here at uh, research from Tufts University, and they used frog embryos. Okay. And it had RNA that encoded a mutant gene known to, known to cause cancer-like growth. So this is pretty, you know, preliminary, not clinical, human clinical stuff. And they used blue light that activated these positively charged ion channels, which induced an electric current that caused the cells to go from cancer-like to a normal, more negatively polarized state. Okay. They repeated this process using green light activated proton pump. An activation of both agents significantly lowered the incidence of tumor formation and increased the frequency in which the tumors regressed into normal tissue. So this is a this is a frog embryo model in this one. And what they found was that all the, you know, healthy cells maintain a more negative voltage on the interior compared with the exterior, but then um, you know, opening and closing of these ion channels caused the voltage to become more positive. Uh, and this allows tumors to be detected by their abnormal bioelectrical signature before they're otherwise apparent. So mm-hmm. th- this is good for detection and maybe something for treatment. Of course, mm-hmm. very, very, you know, test tube yes stuff, and whether this is going to be something that will pan out for humans remains to be seen, but it is interesting. Well, and you think the biggest... We've got to look at everything. Yeah, the most, the, mo- the, 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 the thing I take from this is what they're doing is they're interrupting the mitochondrial function because the mito- because cellular growth is just uncontrolled, or cancer's uncontrolled cellular growth. Yeah. So what they're trying to do is stop the mitochondria from reproducing so quickly. Well, that's it. by zapping can, them with a light using. And if you li- can do that liposome, only in using in cancer cells, right. that'd be awesome. You just right. shut them down right. and right. they die. Yeah. Yeah. Using a liposome that's 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 almost like a Trojan horse, I guess. It's yeah. It's 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 too specifically. Um, you know, receive this light instead of instead of detecting us for for uh, killing mm-hmm. the cancer cell. Okay, so hopefully it's, hopefully it's something good. Well, you know, there's so much shit going on. I tell patients that they should uh, just kick the can as far down the road as they possibly can because this stuff is changing every single day. It is evolving. It is evolving. All right. You got anything else? Because both no. of those were kind of shitty. So I... <laughs> <laughs> hey, I didn't see them. All right. Oh, you read them, though. That's Number right. one thing, <laughs> don't take advice from some asshole on the radio. <laughs> All right. Let's see what we got here. Hello, Dr. Steve and friends. This is Mike from Ohio. Hey, Mike. I just signed paperwork to have my body donated to the local medical school. They say they'll keep the body for seven years and then cremate it and send the remains back to my family. Right. My question is, what exactly will they be doing to my body? Yeah, after seven years, they're going to be going, who? <laughs> this package is going to show up, and it's like, oh, that's Mike. Who? <laughs> anyway, didn't joke didn't work the first time, didn't work the second time. I repeated the exact same joke. But, um, yeah, Mike, so good for you for doing this. You're going to advance medical science but uh i wonder if it's is it truly seven years or is it up to seven years because like at my medical school they would uh put people they would just take people's bodies after they're done using them and if they donated them for anatomic uh uh study they would go into a vat and they would sit there from what the guy, the anatomist told me for up to a year. And then they would drag them out and then put them in the anatomy lab for the first year medical students or the dental students or whatever. 
And then you would dissect on those for anywhere between three to six months, and then they were they would take them and dispose of them. One of my most vivid memories, though, was this guy in my lab. Uh, when we got down to the pelvis, you had to do a hemipelvectomy on your um, on your cadaver, which meant that you basically took their leg left leg off. Hmm. And uh, I remember him walking th- through the anatomy lab with a left leg and half of a pelvis over his shoulder, you know, carrying it like he was oh carrying a, a log or something. Oh my gosh. And then just throwing it in the trash. You hear this clunk oh as it gosh. goes in the trash. And I'm like, I don't think that's where that goes. But uh, my other thing that happened to me was dreaming about anatomy lab. And I would dream that um, you walked in and all of a sudden your your cadaver would sit upright and look at you. And that was apparently a dream that a lot of people had. Hmm. Now, you guys had cadavers, too, though, in, in mm-hmm, crazy, mm-hmm. Uh, crazy Chinese, yeah. Um, yeah, not, um, quack lab, right? Quack, I mean, quack, quack lab, medical school. Quack lab, yeah. It's a... Um, <laughs> Not I'm as, sorry not, for the no, DOMs out no, there. I'm just kidding. No, I'm, yeah, I'm I'm so used to it. I I enjoy it now. <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah, but not 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 the entire body. We did parts. Oh, you did. Know, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was and that's we had one actually that was um, not preserved at all. So it was it was a uh, go oh. live smelling. Wow. It was interesting. Why'd they do that? Uh, just to see where the needles go. I guess. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So w- at my medical school, there was a guy who was over the uh, anatomy lab, and he was selling body parts. Oh, no. Yeah. And so how that works is you have someone that wants to practice doing hand surgery. So it's just like, you know, you slip him a hundy, and he'll give you a little package with a formaldehyde-preserved forearm and hand. And then you can just do what you want to with it, you know, no questions asked. And the other thing was... And now, allegedly, although I oh listen, I don't remember who this guy was, so I don't know if he was convicted of this stuff, but he was <laughs> accused, allegedly accused of all these things. And he was allegedly accused of also um, having a funeral home, which is a little bit of a conflict of interest. A little so bit. So he was getting some body parts from there as well, and then stacking you know, bodies and not putting certain people where they thought they were and things like that. Yes. When, when you think, when you think dear old dad's going into the, um, yeah, the incinerator and, or into yeah. the, you know, $20,000 mausoleum. Exactly. And there's just nothing there. Oh and gosh. And not only did they take the 20 grand, but also got another couple ten, of, yeah, 10 on top of it. Right. For <laughs> selling parts. So now that kind of shit, I have not that they've really clamped down on that and they've become a lot more vigilant and not trusting people anymore uh, to do these things the way that they're supposed to. So there's a lot more controls on it. That's Uh, my understanding. Holy moly. But our buddy James Bird, the who came in, what, second in the uh, funniest fucker in the Tri-Cities competition. Uh, has um, given up his role as the chief dude in that uh, Restore Life USA. But they take people, uh, their bodies, when they're done using them, they do not preserve them right away. They do uh, medical research and preserve some stuff and then ship out, um, you know, if someone's doing a... um, a study on pancreas cells. They teach them how they want them to retrieve the cells, how to preserve them and send them to them. And then they always will cremate you within 30 days and return you to uh, your family at that point. Cremated for nothing. So you get a free cremation out of it. And it's only 30 days instead of seven years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. Real quick question from Darren Parker. He's, yeah. he's, he's asking about um, how to donate um, bodies to the body farm? So you know, you just uni- call them. Yeah, yeah. Because University of Tennessee Knoxville's got the body farm there, and of course, it's world renowned for um, the research that they do with um, the decomposition. Of yeah, right, that's for death. forensic stuff. So if people don't understand what the body farm is. Yeah. They um, uh, basically do forensics. Mm-hmm. So what they're looking at is 
if you've been there for a month, what bugs do they find on you? Where do they find Wind, them? What where, state yeah. of composition are you in and all that kind of stuff? And if you're in mud or if you're under a grass pile or under a dirt pile, or, it's pretty crazy. I've got a friend of mine went through that program and went on to work with TBI and FBI. And um, yeah, he told me some interesting stories because they put, they put some crazy – um, situations out there. I yep. guess it, yeah, and they'll yeah they'll yeah. put you in cars. They'll yeah. do all kinds of stuff. All so it's called the Forensic Anthropology Center, College of Arts and Sciences at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. Just go to fac.utk.edu. And that's fac.utk.edu. And that's FAC is for Forensic Anthropology Center, and you can uh, see how you can donate. Yeah. And there's body donation is the third link down, and you can click on that, and it'll tell you what, everything that you need to do. You can get a little packet about uh, body donation. Now, are there other body farms in the United States? You know, I don't know. I don't know. Let's look up body farms <laughs> in the USA. You can be part of research. Yep. Pretty cool. Okay, seven such facilities exist across the United States. Uh, let's see where they are. <clears throat> so uh, there's one at University of Tennessee. Western Carolina, really? Uh, over in Colby. Western Cackalack. Cackalacky. Texas State University, Sam Houston State University, Southern Illinois, Colorado Mesa University, and, oh, University of South Florida. I bet that one is rank. Oh, God, USF sets in Tampa. Can you imagine yep. the stench? Oh, because, you, you know, they're putting them in swamps in there. Oh. Letting alligators eat them. Yeah, we need to read that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's true, yeah. It's Tossing people with alligators. So there, And there's some in Australia, Canada, India, the United Kingdom, and uh, other places. Let's see where the USF one. Uh, the USF Facility for Outdoor Research and Training is part of the Florida Institute for Forensic Anthropology and Applied Sciences at the University of South Florida in Tampa. Mm -hmm. The fort was created by, man, nobody cares. Um, the facility is a 3.4-acre outdoor research laboratory in Pasco County utilizing the USF Human Donation Program. The Outlook Facility... I'm sorry, the outdoor facility in the curated skeletal collection is opening uh, to visiting scholars and researchers. The facility was opened on September 19, 2018, with five bodies. It's the first and only facility of its type in Florida, probably also the last, as well as in a subtropical environment. Pasco County Commission voted May, May 2019 to end the contract that allows USF to run the facility. Whoa! So who's the agreement will end May 7, 2022. What in the hell? USF is in the process of finding a future alternative site. Well, May 7, 2022 is already passed, so I wonder what's going on there. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. wonder what you do with all the... I don't know. <laughs> the ones they hid under... Oh, my God. <laughs> under a tree or... Under now, the Colorado <laughs> one is, uh, I'm assuming, is more cold. Uh Oh, they're just, are they doing humans? Are they doing pigs? It says the first pig was placed in the outdoor facility in September 2012. The indoor facility opened for classes January 2013. Oh, and the first human donation was placed in November of 2013. Hmm. <clears throat> As of January 2018, boy, this thing has not been updated. This is a wiki page. The facility had 11 human cadavers, and they spelled cadavers wrong. <clears throat> so on. <laughs> Most remains desiccate quickly. And current, and that means dry out. And current research focuses on variation in desiccation process and determining post-mortem interval on mummified or desiccated remains. Because yeah, they're they're up high, mm -hmm. and uh, so things rather than rotting will dry out. If yeah. you've ever been, you know, God, just dehydrate won't it? Yeah, I remember when I was um, at Snowbird for a for a meeting. Mm -hmm. And it was weird that you would come out, and it's, I, I don't remember how high up it is. You could look that up, mm -hmm. you know, elevation of Snowbird, Utah. It's 9,500. Okay, you know. Yeah. Okay. You'd come out of the shower, and you wouldn't even have to dry off almost. Right, it's pretty high. You yeah. know, the water evaporates. Yeah. Do you, ever see, do you ever see the story about the, the monk that, that really mummified himself at a high altitude over time and just just dehydrated himself? On purpose? And, and Yeah, and when he died, he was literally... He was already mummified. He was already mummified. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's the true story. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. 
Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Um, all right, one is left. That, or is that a true story? I've seen the pictures. Okay. And right. it was on the internet, so it's got to be real. <laughs> it's got to be real. Hey, you want a real quick question for moving aside, then we'll get yeah, yeah, to yeah. some calls. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah, moving aside. Questions are questions. Yeah, he says, um, let's see. If Is it true that semen has vitamins and protein? Of course. And could you ingest it to survive in a survival situation? Yeah, but how are you going to get gallons of it? That's the problem. I just don't think it's going to be enough. Um, Let's do calories. You might might be able to get enough for an appetizer, but I don't think it's going to get you home there, cowboy. Uh, Let's see. Calories in human ejaculate. So there's between 5 and 25 calories per teaspoon. So it's about the same as a teaspoon of sugar. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it, it says there's not a lot of research to back this up. That would be easy. I mean, how do they determine cal- calories in anything? You can put it in a thing called a bomb cal- calorimeter, and you can determine that. Mm-hmm. And so there are ways to do these things. They don't just make up these numbers. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it says each ejaculation produces one teaspoon well that's that's actually very um robust robust yeah it's like 2.5 to 5 milliliters so that'd be half to one teaspoon is my knowledge and uh 25 calories per teaspoon so you need 25 let's say in the wild you would have to have 1300 calories to survive let's say 1200 so uh let's let's find out um echo what is 1300 divided by 2.5? 1300 divided by 2.5 is 520. Wait, I, f- I fucked that up, didn't I? Wait a minute. We want 25 calories per teaspoon, so we want how many teaspoons there are. Mm-hmm. And we want 13 calories, so we got to divide by, yeah, 13 divided by 20, 1300 divided by 25. Echo, what's 1300 divided by 25? 1,300 divided by 25 is 52. Oh, that's 52 teaspoons. Mm -hmm. So, um, (laughs) Echo, (laughs) how many cups are in 52 teaspoons? 52 teaspoons is about 1.083 cups. Oh, so it's just a cup? Really? Uh, Okay, so 1,200 is starvation diet, but... Um, it's not a subsistence diet, but you could get uh, the people on alone live on 1,200 calories all the time if you watch that show, which is a, an amazing show, by the way. Way better, in my opinion, than Naked and Afraid, unless they would show people actually being naked, which you really don't want to see when they're starving. So uh, a cup a cup a day of semen, yes, you could survive on that for a little while. How about that? That'd be tough. <laughs> it would be tough. That'd be tough. Yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh! There you go. All right. Oh my gosh! And then here under here, you know, when you ask a question of Google, and then it'll say people also ask. It's the two questions are: Do cums have calories? <laughs> and then the other one is: Is ejaculate healthy to consume? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go. Oh my gosh! 
And now it says here, for the most part, yes, the components that make up semen are safe to ingest. That doesn't mean it's healthy to consume it. Ugh. Yeah, no. no. All right. Now, there are some people that are allergic to semen, you know. Mm-hmm. Even their own semen. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And the, the since the, the um, genitourinary tract, the seminal vesicles, the prostate, and the testes are sort of have an immune... Um, what's the, a barrier? Okay, they won't they won't have the symptoms until they ejaculate, and when they ejaculate, all of a sudden the immune system goes, "Hey, what the hell is that?" And then they'll they'll start to mount an immune response against their own semen, hmm. and then they get sick. And then there are women that can have semen allergies as well, mm-hmm. and that's for real. Yeah. But so just use a condom. Don't sure, worry about sure, it. Sure. What's wrong with you? Yeah. All right. Okay, um, that, that was good ones. Anybody, anything else from the waiting room? Yeah, real last, real last, uh, last, real quick, last thing. Diesel well, it doesn't child, have to be last. Well, yeah, well, uh, well, for, for right now. now. Yeah, for now. Yeah, uh, diesel child Keith from L.A. looks like he had a hiatal hernia operation on Friday. Hiatal hernia or yeah. inguinal hernia? A uh, hiatal. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he said the pain. Thankfully, he's finally going away. But he said the gas settling in his muscles and joints and post op is just awful. Um, what? He st- um, what he, gas? Well, he refused to stay overnight in the hospital. Oh. And left after surgery. Doctor said to walk. Uh, let's see, walk to get oh. rid of the uh, intestinal the gas. gas. Yeah, yeah. So, so they probably blew him up with um, gas. But you get nothing. <laughs> you lose. Good day, sir. As far as pain probably, relief. Yeah, they probably set him some gas in his head to 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 distend it so they could see when they're doing the heart the hiatal hernia repair. I would think that's probably what it is. Maybe, or he just had an ileus. So when they go in, so ileus is when Mm -hmm. the bowel is paralyzed, Mm -hmm. and that'll happen whenever you touch the bowel. You know, the GI tract doesn't like being messed with. And so uh, it won't move. You can't move your bowels, but, you know, you're still swallowing air, and it makes, you know, it blows up like a balloon. You can't get rid of it because it won't contract. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, walking will help. Osteopaths have a maneuver where they... Uh, put tension on the muscles next to the spine. You lay down, mm-hmm. put your hands under their back, and then you find the spine, and then you pull toward yourself mm-hmm. with a hook-like maneuver uh, of the um, <clears throat> paraspinal muscles, the muscles yep. that run up and down next to the spine. And sometimes that will help, and also chewing gum will help mm-hmm. in that situation as well. Yeah. But yeah, I doubt that they blew. I, I doubt that they blew gas up into his colon to do this to do a fundoplication, yeah. which is what that most likely was, where they take a um, a piece of um, the uh, uh, stomach and wrap it around the top of the the, the top of the um, um, the stomach yep. and the lower part of the esophagus to just sort of seal that off, yep. and uh, kink it off so that you get a better. Um, um, a, a better barrier to stomach contents going up into the esophagus and causing those hiatal hernia symptoms. <clears throat> but I bet you he had a post-operative ileus, and he just said, hell, I'm going home, which a lot of more people are doing these days. They're just like, I'm going home. And um, I've had some people recently that pulled that. Mm-hmm. You know, They wanted him to stay, and they just said, F it, I'm going home. <laughs> and, and you do, most of the time you're going to be fine. Uh, you will miss some post-operative complications that way and end up in worse trouble. But for the most part, I think you're less exposed to, you know, uh, bacteria and stuff that you can, mm-hmm. you know, drug-resistant bacteria that can be passed around the hospital. So I think getting out of the hospital earlier is probably a good idea. Back in the day when they did those, they'd be in the hospital for five to seven days. Oh, yeah. Then they got down to three days. Then it's overnight. And now, hell, he's leaving right after his procedure. He says, I'm out of here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, um, But I bet that's what happened. Yeah, I, probably so. Candace just <laughs> chimed in. She's got a four-month-old that she's breastfeeding. And her um, pediatrician, I guess, suggested she starts um, adding a vitamin called Poly V Sol. Yeah. Said it smells terrible no, and she fine. hates it. Is Are there any alternatives to that? Um, no. Yeah. I mean, okay. yeah. Listen, kids, kids don't give a shit what stuff tastes like. Mm-hmm. They, they'll suck down Pedialyte. Taste it your damn self. They're yeah. The kid's Pedialyte, not the adult Pedialyte. Because it is um, not great, terrible. It's not great. And, at all. And my kid used to eat 
Indian food, and which is quite tasty, by the way. Uh, but he would just eat mushroom soup and uh, sog paneer and all this stuff. And then when he got older, you know, it was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not eating that. So I'm hoping he'll come back to it someday. But the polyvisol is a liquid uh, multivitamin supplement. And uh, it also has iron in it. That's one issue if you're using well water or you're breastfeeding. The kids can have some issues getting some vitamins until mm-hmm. they start eating a broader diet. Okay. So, so, and that's up to between you and your pediatrician. I'm whether I agree yeah. whether they give um, uh, multivitamins to kids who are breastfeeding or not. Um, you know, it's whatever. But yeah. if the pediatrician says so, there there really isn't an alternative for that. But the kid doesn't care. Yeah. It stinks to us, and we think it's gross. Kids will put, especially at that age, uh, when they're they've just come out of their fourth trimester. She said it was the kid is four months old. Four months old. Yeah. Okay. So humans are born three months too soon. Okay. But if they stayed in the womb that extra three months. You wouldn't be able to get them out. Too big, yeah. It'd be too big to pass through the vaginal canal. So we deliver them, and then, but they really wish that they were still in the womb. That's why we swaddle kids for the first three months, mm-hmm. and why when you uh, when you have a crying baby, if you'll swaddle them tightly and put them on their knee, on your knee, on their side, and shake them back and forth, and shush into their ear, which by the way is part of my. Or, well, you're, my, you're, it's Tacy's one-page one baby manual. <laughs> I took Chris, uh, not Christopher Carp, what the guy's name is, Carp, uh, his uh, happiest baby on the block, and distilled a 300-page book down to one paragraph. That's how useless the rest of that book is, in my opinion. But, um, uh, but the reason that that works is because it mimics being in the uterus for these kids. You know, being swaddled, they they feel compressed, which they certainly were in the uterus. And then the shushing sound, they don't hear dum, 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 like as, as we sort of mimic the sound of the heart. What they hear is the blood flow, and it goes shh. The whooshing, okay. okay. If you do that into a baby's ear when they're crying, they'll almost always stop if you do the other stuff, too. So you're simulating. Well, anyway, so this kid is now completely out of that fourth trimester and is now entering into being a fully-fledged human being and it doesn't need those things and breastfeeding is awesome do that as long as you can i find it a little off-putting when i've got a four-year-old still breastfeeding but you know whatever that's that's up to you they're breastfeeding people that think that that's awesome and there's Mm -hmm. other people that think it's weird i i i'm you know, it's na- certainly natural. You do whatever you want to sure. do. In our society, it is not the n- norm. I'll put it that way. But that doesn't mean that you have to be normal. I'm not saying that. I don't. I'm not normal. I don't advocate other people be normal. But anyway, breastfeed as long as you can, even if uh, it's just a few <laughs> weeks. Some people can't breastfeed, so right. they can pump, but still pump. And breastfeed as long as you can. There's no shame if you can't do it or if you can't continue because you've got to get back to work or you can't keep the doors open. That there, you know, I'm a huge fan of breastfeeding, and it's good for the kid. My son, Beck, would not be here today, or he would be severely impaired if it weren't for the fact that Tacey was breastfeeding him. I've told this story before, but, you know, I get off on tangents. This is a tangent. Sure. He, at five days of being on this earth had a fever of 105 that is not normal for a five-day-old so we ran him to the hospital he had a respiratory syncytial virus aka rsv which in adult causes colds but in babies particularly can be devastating to them and as a matter of fact he was so sick that the uh, some of the nurses were whispering to themselves that and you know and of course we heard it that they didn't know if he was going to even make it Ugh. and so we're you know I I'm real good in the short term and then I break down Tacy's real good she breaks down in the beginning and then she's good in the long term so we make a good couple and but we got him in there but she continued to breastfeed well it turned out she gave him the RSV because she had it. Mm-hmm. And, but she had IgA antibodies 
for respiratory syncytial virus in her breast milk, Mm -hmm. and he just sailed right through. They said, listen, if he does make it, this is how they put it to us, if he does make it, he's probably going to have severe asthma and not be able to play sports and be all this stuff. And he had none of that. He no, just no. sailed right yeah, through. Yeah, he's as healthy as can be. And But the medication that he got was breast milk. Right so on. breastfeed. Right, yes, right. as long as you can. All right. And if you can't, no shame in it. But it is helpful if you can even for a short period of time. So, yeah, sorry. Uh, the, there's I'm not aware of a alternative to polyvisol no. that smells better. But the kid doesn't care. No. All right. All right. And once you get them on a on a good balanced diet with lots of fruits vegetables and other stuff you can kind of can that cool all right um yeah let's do this one hey dr steve dr scott casey how you guys doing hey good great man good to hear um so how does sodium extra sodium in your diet increase blood pressure i was reading that it may it makes your body retain water which increases blood pressure but then if you drink a bunch of water, just a really hydrated, why doesn't <clears throat> why doesn't that also increase your blood pressure? Ah. I assume that's something to do with the sodium, like making you hold on to water at the cellular level, cell level. Yeah. but that's why I'm asking. Yeah, good. Well, I'll give right, him one thanks. of these. Oops. Uh oh. Yeah. Well, shoot. Now it's too late. I was going to give you a bill, but now I've I lost the moment. <laughs> um, yeah, there is a very close relationship between high blood pressure and dietary sodium intake. There are some people that low sodium can actually uh, be uh, a deficit, but we'll forget that very small subset for right now. But reducing dietary sodium not only reduces blood pressure and the incidence of high blood pressure, but it's also associated with reduction in uh, morbidity and mortality. In other words, end organ damage and death from cardiovascular diseases. So, um, you know, the high salt intake and high blood pressure levels are indeed related to water retention. So when you have sodium, what follows it always is water. And then you get increased uh, peripheral resistance. I'm going to have to call her back. Uh, uh, Increased resistance to blood flow, which also increases uh, blood pressure. And you get alterations in the function of the linings of the blood vessels and then you get uh, in changes in autonomic nervous system modulation of the cardiovascular system remember we've talked before about how when you stand up mm-hmm. then the blood vessels constrict to right. increase blood flow to the brain that's autonomic nervous system all of this stuff is involved in sodium metabolism so it's not just as simple as well you have more fluid in your in your system because you're right if you drink a bunch of water transiently your blood um, uh, volume will increase but the body is very efficient at peeing out free water when it needs to it's just hard for it to do when there's a shitload of sodium on board Mm -hmm. so it's got to figure out a way to get rid of the sodium and it will exchange sodium for potassium it does all kinds of and uh and for hydrogen and all kinds of other things that uh make things very complex so Mm -hmm. uh the end the end um uh, basically, the end note to this is that it is more complex than just a dilution situation. Yeah, you can't just drink extra water and lower your salt. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So, decrease the, your sodium intake if your primary care provider or cardiologist tells you to. And in general, avoiding an excess of salt is a good thing. Mm-hmm. All right. Agreed. Okay. No. Uh, let me see. I'll let the, this one says, finally, some fucking good news for once. Let's do this one. Hey, Dr. Steve. This is Bruno from California. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Nice, nice. I'm doing good, too. Good. Um, so I was listening to your episode the other day, and you mentioned the CAR-T cell treatment for cancer. Yes. Um, let me I, uh, I This is the thing where they take out white blood cells, expose them to cancer cells, put them back in, and then have them just go fight cancer it's just like giving a a search dog a sock of somebody and say go find that carty carty okay yeah we we did a story on it so it was so new because my mom 
was diagnosed with lymphoma last year, like the end of last year. Okay. In November, I think. Yeah. Or not not last year, sorry, two years ago. And the first... Lymphoma is a cancer of uh, lymph nodes, basically. The treatment they did was chemo, and it looked like it was working. Um, so the cancer went into recession. Remission. I think that's the right word. Yeah, that's okay. And we know what you meant. So it was gone for a couple of months. But then on one of her checkups, it looked like it, it came back more aggressive. Okay, so this will happen sometimes. Uh, lymphoma very often uh, will go into remission very rapidly with chemo, but then sometimes it will come back. We call it, you know, it, the initial uh, uh, sort of quote-unquote uh disappearance of the lymphoma is called remission mm -hmm. and then you're looking for sustained remission which she did not have yeah. so they changed up their strategy and they told us about the car t cell yeah. treatment which we had never heard of um but so she went through the process of getting that treatment uh it was a pretty long process overall but yeah um she got it done it was much easier than the chemo for her Good. and now uh, the cancer is gone. Um, I mean, she's still going to do her checkups and stuff, but the cancer is just gone. Uh, wow. They couldn't find any more, like, cancer tumors or cells or anything like Yay. that. Um, but it's just, it's just incredible that we've come this far with medicine and science. Um, anyway, yeah, I hope this wasn't super long-winded. I apologize. No, no, dude. Ooh. It's totally worth it. Have a good no, day. That's awesome. It's Thank awesome. You. Congratulations, dude. Okay, so this CAR-T stuff is uh, chimeric antigen receptor T-cell therapy. And it's a way to get these immune cells, which are called T-cells, okay. they're white blood cells that fight other cells, particularly cancer, uh, and they change them in the lab so they can find and destroy these cancer cells. That's basically the easiest way. So this is a um, cell-based gene therapy because it involves altering the genes inside the T-cells to help them attack the cancer. It's highfalutin stuff. Oh, I bet. And uh, so this, we'll see more and more of this. I've been kind of touting uh, a form of this for a long time. As a matter of fact, if you go to drsteve.com, click on non-pseudoscience cancer therapies, um, there's an example of a similar uh, treatment to this that they did on a um, woman with uh, stage 4 terminal cervical cancer that is walking around today cancer-free because of this. Unbelievable. So it's uh, amazing to me that this stuff is already on the market. And apparently, to some limited ability or a limited amount, it's been on the market for a few years. Mm. And uh, I just don't think that it – I think it was still very – uh, you know, uh, associated with just a few places, maybe MD Anderson or the bigger cancer university uh, research centers. Right on. But now you can get it, you just get it, looks like uh, a bunch of places. So very cool. Mm. So ask about CAR T therapy if, God forbid, you get diagnosed with cancer. Let's do uh, one more and then we'll get out of here, Dr. Scott. Um, Sounds good. All right, here we go. Yep. Hey, Dr. Steve. Hey, man. Dr. Scott. Hey, man. Hey, man. Miss Tacey, if you're there. Hey. Hi. This is Paul from New York, and I have a question related to cholesterol. Okay. Um, I'm a volunteer firefighter and uh, on Long Island, and we're given physicals each year, so I don't really go to a general practitioner. Okay. I'm 43 years old, um, and our physicals are pretty in-depth, and they do blood work and send us the results of the blood work after the fact. Okay. And for two years in a row, it has shown my cholesterol is being high. Okay. Um, Write these down, Scott. I'm, I'm wondering whether it's something I should be concerned about because they're showing the overall cholesterol is 230. Okay. And that normal is between 100 and 199. But it shows my HDL cholesterol is 86 and normal should be greater than 40, which 86 is. Mm -hmm. And okay. my LDL cholesterol is 127, and it says it should be less than 130, which mm -hmm. it is. Okay. Triglycerides are 83. Yeah. VLDL is 17. God and cholesterol HDL ratio is 2.7. Did you get all those? No, you all of those numbers fall within the proper range, and yet the overall is 230, and they say it's high. Yeah. Is this something that I should have looked into or that I should go to a primary care physician about 
or is it something that I shouldn't be concerned about? Okay. Thanks a lot. So, all right, Scott, I'm going to put this through a Framingham calculator. Okay. Did he say how old he was? Yeah, 48. He's 48. Okay, good deal. Thank you. So, 48. And his HDL was what? 86. 86. And his total cholesterol? 230. 230. And he didn't say if he's on hyper, if he's on blood pressure medicine. I'm assuming he is Probably not. not. So I'll do 120, and I'm assuming he does not smoke. He didn't say that either. Well, he's a fireman, so he's probably pretty active. Pretty, yeah. You know, okay. and I'm going to say he doesn't have diabetes. So um, let me see. No to that. So his 10-year risk of cardiovascular disease with these numbers is 4.7%. Now, um, let's see what the normal is for a 48. I don't like this calculator. This calculator can kiss my ass. <laughs> Let me find. Okay, we said 4.7, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Omni calculator. I don't like that one. Framingham cardiac risk calculator. Calculator. Okay, this is the one I usually use because <clears throat> it'll tell you compared to your normal. So, uh, okay, 48 years, sorry, everybody, 48-year male, non-smoker with a total cholesterol of 230 mm-hmm. and an HDL of 86. Now, Scott, while I'm doing this, will you take 230 and divide it by 86 and then tell me what the normal is or what that number is? Is it really taking that long? Well, goddamn, I got to open okay. my fucking phone. Okay, okay, Jesus okay. Christ. That's fine. Echo, what's 2.6? Two th- okay, thank you. Hell, fucking fire. Hmm. <laughs> well, I'm not sure. So this calculator, this is why I like this one. It's just calm. Oh, he's a non-smoker, though. Okay. So his this calculator is calculating him at 2.7%. The average for a 48-year-old is 8%. So the reason for that is, even though his total cholesterol is elevated, his good cholesterol is very high. And his risk ratio, what did you say, 2.67, is below 3. So anyone with a risk ratio of 3 or below actually is felt to have a decreased risk of um, cardiac uh, events, even though their total cholesterol may be elevated. All right? Right on. All right. So in other words, those numbers are not bad. Right. No. I mean, Especially if his diet's pretty good. Yeah. So this is predicated on him being a non-smoker without hypertension. Now, if he is a smoker, his risk is exactly equal to the average 10-year, and you want it to be below average. So in that case, bringing his total cholesterol down to like 180 would decrease him back to 4.7, mm-hmm. okay? So if he's going to smoke, he's got to get that total cholesterol down. Mm-hmm. But if he is a non-smoker and uh, doesn't have high blood pressure, then he's actually in pretty good shape. Yeah. All right? Yeah, and can we talk about real quick, just some options if he wants to try to get the number down just yes, a little yes, bit? Yes, 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 of just course. Na- we should natural, discuss that. natural options if it's yep. dietary. Mm-hmm. You know, certainly certainly changing his foods. And, you know, there's been a lot of new research. Maybe we'll talk about it next week on the show. About we red, won't red meat. We always say <laughs> we're going. No, to. no, I'll make a note. I'll make a note. Okay. I'll make a note um, about uh, red meat and, and the problems it does cause eating red meat over over time. Yeah, and also, but but if you have, and we've talked about this, and it's been a long time. But one way that may help lower your serum cholesterol is blood donation. If you can be a blood donor, yeah, there has been research on that, and certainly exercise can help lower your cholesterol, which he probably does as a fireman. Yeah, you know, and, and maybe just genetically, he's supposed to have a slightly higher than two hundred level of um, cholesterol. Yep, yeah, possibly. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I mean, he may have blue eyes and not brown eyes, or or maybe um, six foot. Well, you know, people not six foot. Y- one. You know, one of the reasons they looked at the Mediterranean diet was because people were eating more stuff and they, than people thought that they should. Certain people thought that they should. And um, they still had low uh, cardiovascular mortality. Mm-hmm. And so, but they found that olive oil, these monounsaturated fats are actually pretty good for you. So, 
Um, yeah, um, donating blood regularly can lower your cholesterol and triglyceride levels. Mm -hmm. And um, the other thing is what I always told people was increasing soluble fiber. Mm -hmm. So getting sure. some citrus cell. Uh, maybe drinking no more than four ounces of red wine, and if you're a teetotaler, I wouldn't tell you know uh, someone who's <laughs> sober to drink. No, no, no. no. Uh, but you could drink four ounces of red grape juice because it's got the same stuff in it. Exercising, and uh, exercising will bring up your your good cholesterol. It may decrease your bad cholesterol, but it definitely will improve your risk ratio. And uh, the other things that Scott said too. So, so there you go. Yeah, yeah. good stuff. Yeah, very. Yeah, good. I was I was afraid he was gonna have like some 600, 800 total cholesterol. Or I know, no, it's great. It's not bad. Yeah, not so, terrible. Now I'm not saying you shouldn't still have a checkup with a uh, primary care provider at 48. You need to start thinking about that. And really, at 48, you're overdue for your first uh, colonoscopy. Mm -hmm. So definitely get a uh, primary care provider. But bring those levels with you. Uh, go to a, find a Framingham risk calculator put in your actual numbers whether you're a smoker or not and print that out and take it with you to your visit okay how's that anything Sounds else good. all right you got anything else no i think all right well if i could find uh, our script we'll get out of here okay uh thank you everyone uh for uh listening to our show today and uh, if you don't hear your shout out today it's because i didn't do it because scott's in a hurry and we want to play music so uh, listen to our SiriusXM show on the Faction Talk channel, channel uh, SiriusXM channel 103, Saturdays at 7 p.m., Sunday at 6 p.m., on demand and other times at Jim McClure's pleasure. And thanks to our listeners whose voicemail and topic ideas make this job very easy. Go to our website at drsteve.com uh, for schedules, podcasts, and other crap, and check out Dr. Scott's website at simplyherbals.net. Until next time, check your stupid nuts for lumps, quit smoking, get off your asses, get some exercise. We'll see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Medicine. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit CarShield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at CarShield.com audio. That's CarShield.com audio.